I would like to uh, just say a few words about our speaker uh, tonight. Uh, we will be blessed uh, to hear uh, Elder Ted Wilson uh, from the General Conference. He's a General Vice President of the uh, General Conference. There's actually nine of them, and we're privileged to, I believe, have two of them uh, here tonight. Isn't Mark also a General Vice President? Yes. Uh, and uh, actually, uh, uh, both of these men would make uh, uh, exceptional uh, general conference presidents uh, as well. And actually, uh, uh, Ted and the nominating committee, he didn't tell me any of this, but I know a little bit, uh, came within a few uh, votes of being it uh, in the last session. Uh, I'm certainly looking forward to the time when the Lord takes the reins in his own hands, aren't you? Uh, Ted is uh, involved in several things uh, at the general conference level, Adventist World Radio. He is also involved in the uh, in advisory fashion to the health ministries department of the general conference. And he will be speaking to us uh, tonight uh, uh, insights in regards to the spiritual foundation of the right arm. And... Uh, we are very uh, privileged to have you here, Ted, and we're certainly looking forward to your message. Good evening and happy Sabbath. Thank you, Neil. Uh, when Neil was asking how he should introduce me, I told him, just tell, tell them I'm their brother. I am their brother. Because really... When it comes down to it, when you think about this room and all the people in it, all the education that is represented by each one of you, all the degrees behind your names, when it comes down to it, when we kneel at the foot of the cross of Jesus Christ, we are simply brothers and sisters. I want to tell you how thrilled I am to see this group. How exciting it is to see how God is leading a group of people who have a passion for the mission that Jesus himself has given to his church. Amen. Amen. What a beautiful acronym. Adventist Medical Evangelism Network. It is a privilege for me to be the advisor to the Health Ministries Department, and I'm going to return and give Dr. Handysides a tremendous report. I wasn't here last night, uh, and I wish I had been. I know that uh, the presentation was excellent because I heard about it, but I've been here this, since this morning, and what a privilege it has been to, to hear lectures, presentations, and God's Spirit poured out in a, in a wonderful, wonderful way. You know, you've chosen a theme that is uncanny and powerful in its relevance for today. The right arm, the right approach, right now. It couldn't be more relevant as we stand on the very edge of the end 
of this earth's history. For truly, I believe that Jesus is coming very soon. It is a privilege to be part of health ministry and health activity. In fact, at home, I'm surrounded by it. My wonderful, precious wife, Nancy, is a physical therapist, loves her work and her patients, is a godly person. What a wonderful thing to have a godly spouse. My daughters, Emily, our oldest, will be here tomorrow. She has her MPH and works with Loma Linda and placing students in different short-term mission arrangements. Elizabeth, our second daughter, is a surgical nurse. She and her husband are in an evangelistic field school in Medford, Oregon right now. Her husband is a pastor at the seminary, taking classes there. And our youngest, Catherine, is down in Argentina. She just graduated from PT and is volunteering for a few months, helping with their new PT program that they have down there uh, for the last four years. They've been offering that. So I'm kind of surrounded by health professionals, kind of surrounded by people who love Jesus and who love to help people in a physical and a spiritual way. And I want to tell you, the church at large needs people like you, people in the health professions, people who have a passion for medical missionary work. Now, we're told in the spirit of prophecy that the last work that will be done will be medical missionary work. I think we're not too far away from that period of time. And we're going to see that the only kind of work that will be done will be that which will touch people's lives in a very personal, personal way. In a seminar that I attended today, David DeRose and Neil and Teeny Finley presented aspects of medical missionary work, the right arm, and how to integrate it into daily activity. Now, this particular subject has fascinated me for a long time. When I was in college at Columbia Union College, went to school with Phil there. And uh, at that time, I applied to different conferences to become an intern. And I was graciously received by some of them. And... uh, My father told me, if you really want a challenge, go to Greater New York Conference. And so I decided, through God's blessing, to do that. In spite of the fact that I had asked the conference and told them of my plans, they agreed to accept me, because at that time we had a conjoint program between an MDiv at the seminary and an MSPH at the School of Health at Loma Linda. And they agreed. And since that time and the integration of an understanding of spirituality and health, I have had a fascination with what medical missionary work really is. Working in New York City is an enormous challenge. In fact, during that time is when I met Mark and Tini. They were up in southern New England. 
And ever since that time, we've had a bond because we love God's special work for cities and medical missionary work. We haven't seen the fruition of everything, but we've seen God's blessing in so many ways. And the indication of your presence here at this conference tells me that the Holy Spirit is working in a marvelous way to bring about people to renew an interest in this dynamic subject. For truly, medical missionary work will be the last work that we will be able to do. And I'm convinced that an emphasis on this area is needed more and more as we come to the very end of time. You are part of the great Advent movement, a movement around the world. I'm really very impressed about the emphasis that you've given on an international aspect for these reports just before our special music. India, Africa, your evangelistic meeting in Ghana. I lived in West Africa for about nine years, so I I know the kind of heat that one can talk about and can experience. But I want, you, I want people here to pray for also places that are so tough and difficult, such as your homeland. Iraq, we had about 300 members. It's dwindled since the difficulties of recent times. And yet God has a people there. And I want you to pray for the people of the Middle East. Next April and May, God willing, my father and I are going to return to Egypt, where I grew up. We're going to hold an evangelistic series in the Heliopolis Church in Cairo, Egypt. I want you to pray for our people in Egypt, because all across the Middle East, people, Adventists, have felt the burden and pressure of the difficulties of that region. Whereas we had many members in certain areas, we have very few now. Please pray for those few people. In the, in the city of Cairo, with 15 million people, we have approximately 125 Seventh-day Adventists. What an enormous challenge. But the emphasis that you have in this organization on reaching out internationally and in your own practices in your own settings is exactly what God wants to see happen. The right arm, the right approach, right now. You know, sometimes that right arm is withered, atrophied, limp, even twisted. I appreciated so much Don's presentation early this morning. Come tomorrow morning for another installment. But you know that right arm sometimes cannot really work in the way that it should, but it doesn't mean that it can't work that way because the Lord can infuse it with the power through through you to accomplish what that right arm is to do. In fact, you know, we don't like to twist arms necessarily. That's not the Christian way. But in a nice, kind way, the right arm can also help to twist maybe the left arm in the church to accomplish what God wants to see happen in medical missionary work. 
So in a very careful and kind way, I encourage you to work with your local pastors, to work with the church structures, to keep working and working so that people will understand what medical missionary work is. God, through prayer and through the Holy Spirit, can accomplish so very, very much. There are needs all over the world. I just returned from Russia a few days ago, and I had a pastor come up to me, and some of you may be interested in this. After the meeting or tomorrow, you may come up and say, look, I'd like to, uh, to email this pastor. A pastor came and told me, his name is Sergei Shalov. He works in southern Ukraine. And he told me that there is an organization that has provided a whole area of a renovated sanitarium in the Crimea on the Black Sea for use by Seventh-day Adventists in a health lifestyle arrangement if we are willing to do so. And he didn't know what to do. He said, what am I supposed to do? How am I supposed to do it? I said, well, you know, I'm going to be speaking to a group in just a few days, and I'm going to mention it to them. There may be someone whom the Lord will place a burden on who will say, you know, at least let me investigate to see how I can try and help and advise or encourage in that particular situation. Because, you see, the pastors and the physicians and the dentists and the health professionals must work together to reinvigorate the power of the right arm. Medical missionary work. The right approach for the right time. And what is that spiritual combination? What is that power that provides us with an understanding of what it truly means to be part of God's great advancing movement in a blended ministry. Well, in the spirit of prophecy, we can read many different approaches and many different counsels that the Lord has given to us. I don't know if you have this little book. It was referenced actually this morning, A Call to Medical Evangelism and Health Education. If you don't have this little book, a compilation of some Beautiful quotations by uh, Ellen White, Spirit of Prophecy. You need to get it. I think you can still get it at the Adventist Book Center. Uh, Doug Sales, who's here from the review, may be able to help you obtain one. Mine is marked through and through, underlined. It just is inspiring when you read it. I'm not going to uh, put you to sleep. It's getting a little bit late, and we still have to get into our spiritual message. But listen to this. Medical Ministry 239. Medical missionary work brings to humanity the gospel of release from suffering. It is the pioneer work of the gospel. It is the gospel practice, the compassion of Christ revealed. Do you understand the import of medical missionary work? The compassion of Christ? Of this work there is great need and the world is open for it. God grant that the importance of medical missionary work shall be understood. I want to tell you, it is not understood very well in the church today, unfortunately. And that new fields may be immediately entered. And then 
another beautiful aspect from medical ministry again. How shall we reveal Christ? I know of no better way than to take hold of the medical missionary work in connection with the ministry. So God's calling each of you to be part of an unbelievable advance in the work of God in terms of reaching people with this specialized ministry. Listen to this interesting quotation from volume three of the Testimonies, 172. The religion of the Bible is not detrimental to the health of the body or of the mind. The influence of the Spirit of God is the very best medicine that can be received by a sick man or woman. Listen to this phrase. This is absolutely priceless. Heaven is all health. And the more deeply the heavenly influences are realized, the more sure will be the recovery of the believing invalid. Heaven to be poured out in your examining room, in your office, in your hospital, in your church. Medical missionary work is as the right hand and arm to the third angel's message, which must be proclaimed to a fallen world. And then this beautiful quote from medical ministry. The gospel ministry is is an organization for the proclamation of the truth and the carrying forward of the work for sick and well. An integration in medical missionary work. A spiritual basis for this great work. Well, it started back in Genesis 3 where when God gave the formula for healing the brokenness and Christ would come and that great promise of Genesis 3.15. It culminates, interestingly, in the third chapter of the last book of the Bible, in Revelation 3, where Christ is talking about Laodicea, which we are, in need of Christ's righteousness, of his robe to cover, of the salve. medication so that we can see better. The brokenness of of Genesis 3 culminating with Christ saying, I want to come in and have a meal with you. I want to enjoy fellowship with you. I want to truly carry out medical missionary work in your own life, and I want you to follow my pattern. You know, Christ's death and his life and his resurrection all showed us the love of God, the intense love of God. First John chapter 4, verses 10 and 11, where it tells about Jesus and his incredible love for each of us, that healing depends on the love of God, that health and spirituality are inextricably combined. 3 John, verse 2, of course, emphasizes that as well. That the health is both in the spiritual and in the physical. What an important part this medical missionary work plays in reaching people 
for Christ. If you turn to Mark chapter 2, one of the most poignant explanations for just a few moments, I want us to look at how Jesus himself integrated this aspect of spirituality and health. Jesus had been in the desert, in a solitary place, praying. He came to Capernaum, and as he entered this city, the news went like wildfire, and immediately a large crowd gathered in Peter's house. It was impossible to find a place to sit or to stand, and the crowds filtered out around that house. People loved to hear what Jesus had to say. Because it says there in verse 2 of chapter 2, he preached the word unto them. You know, in our churches and in your offices and in your interaction with people, they don't want to hear just pablum. They don't want to hear just nice, sweet phrases. They want to hear the good, solid word of God. And so don't be afraid to bring God's word into, into your examining room, into your office. Don't be afraid of sharing these precious truths because people want to hear this precious truth. Well, verse 3, we get into the story here, and briefly, you know the story well, but let's look at some of the aspects. There was an individual who was a paralytic. And this paralytic had heard about Jesus He'd heard that he even healed lepers, but he, he was hopeless when it came to remembering what really his illness was a result of because it had been caused by his own sin. And so he desired relief from the burden of sin, and many today have that same kind of a burden. He wanted to see Jesus. He wanted the assurance of forgiveness. And so he asked his friends, because he had no time to waste. The flesh, we're told, was even decaying on his body as he was speaking. And he asked his friends to take him to see Jesus. The friends obviously were very spiritual friends, very spiritual individuals because they took their friend as soon as they could to see Jesus. And when they got there, of course, there was no chance for them to get close to Jesus because there was such a crowd. It says there in verse 4, they couldn't come to him because of the press or the crowd. They uncovered the roof where he was. And this man was so anxious to see Jesus that he asked his friends to take him to the top of the roof. And of course, in the Middle East, you can get to the top of the roof. You can uncover uh, some of the branches and whatever was covering. Can you imagine Jesus preaching in that room, talking to the leaders of that particular town, to the disciples who were gathered, and there in the midst of his discourse to them, dust begins to fall. Everything stops. People look up. And they see this man descending into the midst. Verse 5, 
were given a clue that his friends were truly medical missionaries, that they truly were godly people. Because it says, when Jesus saw their faith, their faith, he said to the paralytic, the words that this man was longing, were, he was longing to hear these words, thy sins be forgiven thee. And as soon as he heard these words, peace entered his heart, the forgiveness of God rolled through his body, the burden of despair absolutely disappeared. Desire of Ages, page 268, says, in simple faith, he accepted the words of Jesus as the boon of new life. That's what happens in your offices. That's what happens when you talk to patients. He urged no further request, but lay in blissful silence, too happy for words. The light of heaven irradiated his countenance, and the people looked with awe upon the scene. Such was the power of forgiveness from God. Of course, those who were there in that area, the doctors of the law, the Pharisees and others immediately began questioning, how can Jesus forgive sin? And when Jesus perceived, it says in verse 8, that they were reasoning, he says, why are you reasoning things like this in your heart? Whether it is easier to say to the sick of the palsy, thy sins be forgiven thee, or to say, arise and take up thy bed and walk, but that ye may know that the Son of Man hath power on earth to forgive sins... He said, Arise, take up thy bed, and go thy way unto thine house. And we see here integrated in a most powerful way physical healing and the beautiful healing of the Spirit through forgiveness from God himself. What a powerful, powerful explanation that we see. For Jesus himself provided this paralytic with the peace that he needed. Again, from Desire of Ages, the paralytic found in Christ healing for both the soul and the body. The spiritual healing was followed by physical restoration. And that's why Amen exists. That's why each of you are partners with Christ in this great medical missionary endeavor. An opportunity to allow Christ to work through you in a most powerful way. And of course, that paralytic passed through the crowd, blessing and praising God. And people said, we've seen strange things today. God can do strange things in your office, in your hospital, in your dental clinic. He can do wonderful things. The power of medical missionary work. The right arm, the right approach at the right time. God wants to use you in a most powerful way to integrate this incredible power that he provides through the Holy Spirit. Medical missionary work. To seek Jesus. To seek after him 
with all your heart and then to help people to be fulfilled in their seeking for him as well. Spirituality and health become one in Christ, the master physician. Treat the whole person as a medical missionary worker. Treat them physically, mentally, socially, and spiritually. Ministry of Healing, page 144. We should ever remember that the object of the medical missionary work is to point sin-sick men and women to the man of Calvary, who taketh away the sin of the world. By beholding him, they will be changed into his likeness. We, to, we are to encourage the sick and suffering to look to Jesus and live. That is the work, the right work, the right arm, the right approach at the right time to point people to Jesus. What a blessing it is in this Advent movement to have the belief that the health ministry has a spiritual base and a spiritual connection. And that base is Jesus Christ, the master physician. You're going to face some pretty big challenges as you try to develop the organization of Amen. You're going to face people who are going to say, well, you know, what you have to offer is a bit outdated. Uh, It's really not practical. But I want to tell you the practicality of medical missionary work, if we look at it in its very basic understanding, is not to develop enormous institutional activity. Now, all of us are products of institutions, and thank God for institutions. But when it comes to doing practical missionary work, medical missionary work, we're talking about innovative, creative ways in which the Lord is going to help you to reach out into the homes of people, into the lives of people, to help them in a very personal way. And that's why churches need to be centers of medical missionary activity, why you need to be helping to train church members to know how to do simple things that will help people physically and spiritually. But you're going to be facing a lot of resistance to that. I want to encourage you through the power of the Holy Spirit not to give up, not to succumb to the frustration that people will cause in your lives by saying, hey, let's do something else, or let's do something more productive, or let's, you don't understand, or let don't give up this precious mission and passion that the organization of Amen has. I am going to look forward to seeing how this influence is going to multiply and multiply. This is a bright spot, and I praise God for it. But don't give up, because God, the master physician, is going to protect his people who are carrying out the exact work that he has asked them to do of medical missionary work, practical medical missionary work. God will stand by your side. He will never, ever leave you. He will be a constant companion. Some of you may have heard of an interesting experience I 
had two years ago involving a beautiful encounter with nature. And it told me how important it is to remember that God will always stand by our side. I was walking, as I enjoy doing, for exercise. We live kind of in the country, suburbs of Washington, between Washington and Baltimore. And as I was returning home on a country road where we live, I noticed something on the side of the road. As I got closer, it was a small bird, and the bird didn't fly away. I got closer and closer, and I saw another bird on the road, and it was dead. And I put two and two together, and I realized that probably a car had come by, hit the one bird as the two were flying, and the, the live bird was standing on the side of the road. As I got closer and closer, I expected it to fly away, but it didn't. And I went over to the dead bird and gently pushed it off of the road onto the grass so at least it had a place for its final resting and wouldn't get run over again, even though it was dead. And I began to apologize to the live bird. And I told the bird, I'm so sorry that this has happened. I just, I feel terrible about this. I'm so, the bird didn't move. The bird just stood there and looked up at me. I finally got down and almost on my knees and was just talking with this bird. Can you imagine that? (laughs) The bird didn't move. It just looked up at me. And finally, I left, said goodbye to the bird, and went to my home and immediately told Nancy. As I've told you, Nancy is a PT. She had a patient who was an expert in birds. And when she told him the story, she, this expert said, well, don't you know? Bluebirds, because it was a beautiful bluebird, an eastern bluebird, beautiful pastel blue with an orange chest. He said, bluebirds are monogamous. And many times when their mate is hurt or killed, the live bird will stand guard over its dead mate, not taking water or food until it dies as well. You know, as you face the challenges ahead, take a lesson from the bluebird. Because just as that bluebird stood guard over its mate, God, the master physician, will stand guard over you as you do medical missionary work. But unlike that little bluebird, the master physician will never die. And as you work for the Lord, doing the right work at the right time and the right approach, our Heavenly Father is going to bless your work in a most powerful way so that when we get to heaven, the Lord will look at you directly and say, you have followed my example 
You have cared for people in the way that I ask you to do it. And you have helped so many people to enter this beautiful kingdom. And you'll give God all the glory for it because this is the work he has commissioned for us to do. The right arm, the right approach, right now. God bless each one of you. Shall we bow our heads? Father in heaven, we thank you for this message. We thank you for the message that you've given us through inspiration. And we pray that each one of us would adopt this message in our own lives fully and also share it with others. We pray for these holy Sabbath hours that you would bless every element, every blessing that you have prepared for us on this day. May we not miss because of our lack of attentiveness or distraction, but may you make this day a special high blessing for each one. Give us rest and bring us back to learn more about you and how we can incorporate this message in our daily lives. In Jesus' name, amen.